0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we are uh, going to return to the Gospel of Mark uh, together this morning. So um, before we talk about that a little bit and read it together, let me pray for us. Father, we ask uh, that what we just sang um, would be true. Whether we notice what we sang or meant it or didn't, <laughs> we just need it to be true, that you would come and teach us by your Holy Spirit that you would meet all of us in the places that we find ourselves this morning, whether we're in faith or outside of faith, whether we feel close to you or far from you, whether we are filled with joy or filled with pain. Show us the grace of that one who rides on the white horse, faithful and true. Show us his grace and change us by it. And we pray it in his name. Amen. So we're going to pick up in the Gospel of Mark this morning uh, right where we left off, uh, right before Advent, which means we're going to look at the very first parable uh, that Jesus tells in Mark's Gospel. So before I read it for us, I think it would be helpful to remember um, where we left off, what has come right before this teaching from Jesus. So Jesus' mother and brothers have traveled from their hometown in Nazareth to where Jesus is, probably a town called Capernaum. And they have come, Mark tells us, to grab Jesus and take him back home because they think that he has gone out of his mind. Now that is a pretty surprising thing to read and think about. But I don't think that it is quite as surprising as what Jesus says when someone tells him, hey, your, your mother and brothers are outside and, and they want to talk to you. Um, this is what Jesus says. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? And then he looks around at everyone who is sitting in front of him, listening to him, and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. It's Jesus, of course, at his most unsettling and at his most provocative. He's redrawing lines that have been in place for as long as anyone can remember. He's redefining allegiances that... People had just taken for granted. People who thought they were insiders now realize that they're outsiders by Jesus' way of figuring things. Why, why is it that Jesus is doing this? Well, that remains to be seen. So, as I read Jesus' parable and the fallout from Jesus' parable, listen for that same kind of redrawing and redefining and shifting. All right, I'm going to read from Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. You can follow along in the order of worship where it's printed or in a Bible. Or you can just listen as I read from Mark 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfaithful, fruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is God's word, and it is given to us for our good. So Mark, for his part, sets this story up subtly. If you remember over the first three chapters of Mark's gospel, um, people have been peeling away from Jesus left and right. right. It started with the religious leaders, and then it spread to the political leaders of the day, which comes to a head when Mark tells us that they those two groups start plotting together how they can destroy Jesus, and now it appears that Jesus' own family is on the outs. So it isn't without some irony that Mark tells us that uh, when Jesus began to teach by the sea, the crowd that has come to hear him is so large that he has to get into a boat and go out on the sea to accommodate them. Mark wants us to know that this crowd that's listening to Jesus is really, really big. So we'll come back to that later, but for now, this is what Mark says. Mark says that Jesus was teaching them many things in parables. Now, my guess is that many of us here this morning, maybe most of us here this morning, are familiar with that part of who Jesus was. We know that he told a lot of stories. And because we're familiar with that, it's probably easy to miss that this is the the very first time that Jesus does this. You know, up until this point, his his teaching has been really straightforward. And Mark has summarized it really simply because it is simple to summarize. This This is what Mark says that Jesus went around saying, the time has finally come and the kingdom of God is right here with us. The gracious rule of God over and in his world is here. That's the way Jesus has been teaching up until this point. But now he starts telling these stories called parables. No one had heard this before. So I think that there's lots probably that can be said about the parables, but this is what I think the most important thing is, and it takes a little bit to get our minds around it, I think, at least it does for me. And that is that Jesus' parables are not illustrations. Jesus' parables are not illustrations to spice up or to round out some other thing that he is teaching or to make some other thing that he is teaching more understandable. When Jesus tells a parable, that is the teaching. That is the thing. The parables that Jesus tells are deeply woven into everything else that he has been doing, his straightforward teaching, the healing, the miracles, the the fighting with the religious and political leaders of the day, they are, they are just as much a thing as those things are. And there are ways for him to express this kingdom look. What does this kingdom look like and what does it feel like and what does it sound like and what does it smell like? What is this kingdom of God really about? And he can do it in parables in ways that he never could with straightforward teaching. For example, I love to always think of this. You know, Jesus' most profound teaching, his most profound teaching on grace and on forgiveness does not even use the words grace and forgiveness. <laughs> right? Jesus' most profound and moving and compelling teaching on, on the kind of radical grace and the kind of boundless forgiveness that he is embodying and asking us to embody as part of his kingdom It comes to us as a story, right? And it's a story that starts out kind of plain. There was a man who had two sons. Right? There's no way that that could be communicated in straightforward teaching in the way that it is in a parable. They are the thing. So with that in mind, let's let's talk about this first story that Jesus tells. Jesus doesn't, of course, give it a name, but the church for a really long time has called it the sower. And before Jesus tells it, he says one word. Listen. Listen. And I could never probably fully express how important that word is to this particular story, so I'm not going to try to fully express it. I'm just going to say you're going to have to trust me it is incredibly important that Jesus begins this story by saying, listen. That is for you and for me. So Jesus says, a sower went out to sow. That is a completely accessible image for everyone who's listening to Jesus. Everyone who is in his earshot knows about the basics of agriculture because their life depended on the basics of agriculture. So Jesus goes on to describe, this is what happens when the sower goes out. Some seeds fall on the path and the birds see it and they swoop down and eat it. Other seeds fall on rocky ground and they spring up like they should. But when the sun comes, because there isn't enough depth of soil, um, they wither. Some other seeds get thrown onto thorns and when they spring up, they get choked out and Die because of these more powerful and invasive weedy thorns that they're planted in. And then some seeds fall on good soil. And they do what everyone hopes seeds will do. When they're planted on good soil, they produce grain and a really good harvest. So Jesus tells this little story, and then he finishes it pretty much the way he started, started it. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so this is what Jesus has just done. He has just told this huge crowd a story with exactly zero surprises in it. (laughs) It's an everyday story about pretty much the most everyday thing that they could ever know about, except for maybe fishing, right? There is no punchline in it. There is no twist. There is no zinger at the end of the story. And my guess is a lot of people heard it that way. You know, like, okay, Jesus, I'm not sure why you told us that story can we get back to the 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 miracles and the healings and the stuff you're telling us about the kingdom of God and can we get back to you fighting with all of the people we love to watch you fight with and that's why the way Jesus started the story and the way he ends it is really important he has asked us to listen he has told us to hear and you know what that means that is like a big old alarm bell going off It's a big old alarm bell that says, there is nothing ordinary, there is nothing everyday about this story. There is something going on inside it. And there are some on that day who heard the alarm. They got the hint. So later on, Jesus is with the disciples and with a group of other folks who aren't named, we don't know how big or small it was, but it was definitely not as big as the big crowd by the sea. And they work up the courage or maybe the humility that was needed to look dumb enough to ask Jesus, what in the world was that story all about? And the payoff for them is beyond their wildest expectations. Jesus looks them in the eye and says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Wow. For those on the outside, everything is in parables. You know, and I, I know that this group, of course, they don't know everything that that means exactly. But they know it's amazing because now they know they're on to something. They are in on something. All they had to do was act on that hint to really listen. And act on that inkling that Jesus had given them to really hear And then have faith enough to ask him. Everyone else, Jesus says, they're out there just hearing stories. And then he quotes a passage from Isaiah 6 about people who see but but don't perceive and who hear and don't understand, with the result that they don't turn, that they aren't forgiven. Jesus is just describing what's just happened. Everybody was out there by the sea. Everyone was in that really, really big crowd that Mark told us about. Everyone heard the story, but it is only this handful of people who asked him about it. Everyone heard Jesus, but few were willing to really listen in order to perceive, in order to understand. And church, this is nothing less than a gracious invitation. It is a gracious invitation to people like you and me. I mean, it is possible to hear Jesus. It is possible to see him as he is presented to us in the gospel. And it's possible to do that and be content with any of a million conclusions that are lesser than who he really is. You know, we might be content to look at Jesus and to hear Jesus and even hear what he says about this kingdom and to be content to think that he is a great, you know, moral teacher. And you know what? It's absolutely true. Jesus is a great moral teacher. He's the one who said that we should care for others as we want to be cared for, to love them as we want to be loved. He told us to care for the poor and the vulnerable and the outcast. Jesus is an incredible moral teacher, but that is not all that he is. We might look at Jesus and hear Jesus and be content with thinking that he is just an incredibly galvanizing leader. You know what? He is. Out of a bunch of nobodies and outcasts, a bunch of incredibly normal people, flawed people, this transformative movement begins that is continuing right up until this moment while other kingdoms rise and fall. He's definitely an incredible leader. But he is more. He's more than that. You know, we might be content to look at Jesus and to hear him and think, you know, he is a sage. He's handing out wisdom. He's teaching us about the grain of the world and how to live well in it. And you know what? Yes. (laughs) Yes, Jesus is wisdom. (laughs) He's the one who taught us, What, what is it? profit anyone to gain the whole world but lose their soul but there is more to Jesus and there is more to what he is doing in this world than that you don't have to take my word for that (laughs) this is what Jesus is saying this is what the parables are about and if anyone has ears to hear let him hear See, that's the gracious invitation. Even if we can't make sense out of everything right now that is in front of us, even if some of who Jesus is might make us uncomfortable, even if he invites us to follow him and it brings some trouble into our life, even if it means saying no to a lot of other things that look like they'd be really, really good, we need to listen. Because the kingdom of God and what it is doing in this world and what it is doing in people like us is greater and more true and more beautiful than what any other kingdom that has ever or will ever exist could ever do. So listen. And hear. If you've... Uh, ever seen the movie The Godfather? You might remember that scene uh, at the very end after Michael Corleone has just become the Godfather. And his wife, uh, Kate, suspects that he, rightly by the way, that he has been involved in a murder. So she asks him about it. And they fight. And then finally, he says this famous line. He says, this one time, Kate, this one time, You can ask me about my affairs. I know this is going to sound really weird, um, but I always think about that scene when I read this parable. (laughs) All right, And let me be clear, Michael Corleone is nothing like Jesus. He is nothing, nothing like Jesus. But I think about that scene because this is it. This is the one time that we have a record of Jesus explaining a parable of Jesus telling us what it means just this one time, right? From now on, they stand on their own. And we have to work hard at them and think about them and look at them again and again and hear them again and again to get at their meaning. But this one time, he answers our question. It's maybe because it is the first time. It's like he's giving us not necessarily the code to crack them, but he's moving us in the direction of getting the code that will crack them. So Jesus says to them, the sower sows the word. Oh, man, now now the story starts to open up. It's not just about some random farmer somewhere. It's about Jesus. And it's about what Jesus has been doing in the world up until that point. Announcing the kingdom of God and inviting people to enter into it by repentance and faith. The seeds sown on the path, Jesus says, they're the folks who hear. But then Satan swoops in and steals the word away from them. The the seeds, Jesus says, that are sown on the rocky ground. There are people who receive this news, this announcement about the kingdom of God, and they receive it with great joy at first, but then as soon as there's a little bit of trouble or persecution, as soon as it looks like things are going to get hot, they fall away. The seeds that fall on the thorns are those who hear, but for whom the cares of the world, like riches or power or whatever, become greater than their desire for the kingdom. And then Jesus says, there's the last seeds. They're sown on good ground. They're the ones who hear the word and who accept it. They bear fruit. And now this whole thing comes together. This whole picture becomes more clear. Those people who are with Jesus there in that moment, the people who had had the faith enough the humility enough, the courage enough, whatever enough to, to look dumb enough to say, Jesus, what is this about? They're the seeds sown on the good. They're the ones who are the good ground, right? They didn't really know what Jesus was talking about, but they knew it was good. And they knew they needed it. And they knew that it would lead maybe to their flourishing and maybe to the flourishing of the whole world. That is what it means to hear Jesus' word and accept it. And that is who Jesus is inviting every one of us in here to be, that that kind of person. And he's inviting us to do that if we've been Christians for a really long time or if we're not even Christians at all. The invitation is the same. We never grow out of having to hear Jesus. So I got to tell you, growing up, I heard a lot of sermons about the sower um, that ended with me being challenged to figure out what kind of soil I am, you know, so that I guess I could figure out how to jump from being one soil, the bad kind, to the good kind, right? As if we're this one soil, and as soon as we jump over to the other one, we'll be all set. And maybe... You know, maybe you've heard sermons like that too. I don't know. Maybe just hearing Jesus' story. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it and you're thinking maybe that's what this is about. And I just want to say that I don't think that is ultimately very helpful and I don't think that's what Jesus means. I think he is inviting us to think about where we may be right now and who we may be right now. Take take judas for example right he he's with that group he's with that group that asked jesus jesus what what in the world is this story about and that means church that judas iscariot is in the group that jesus says has been given the secret of the kingdom of god but if you're familiar with the story of Jesus' life, you know that Judas eventually comes to this place where he succumbs, as Jesus puts it so potently in this parable, where he succumbs to the deceitfulness of riches. He betrays Jesus for some money. It is one of the saddest turns in the story of the gospel. Judas Iscariot moves from the good ground to the thorny, or how about Peter, right? Good old Peter. He is in that group too. He is in the group that had faith enough to believe that, that it, they ought to, that he ought to accept what it is that Jesus is saying, even if he doesn't know exactly what that all means. You might remember how Peter's story goes though. When the going gets rough and it looks like he's gonna take it on the chin for following Jesus, he caves like a house of cards. And denies ever knowing him. Peter moves from the good ground to the rocky. But then the resurrection happens and Jesus meets Peter out on the beach. You you should read about that at the end of John. It's astounding. And Jesus gets, uh, gives him his grace again and offers him forgiveness again and restores him back to new life, gives him a job to do. And it's amazing. And he shifts back to the good ground. But it's like a decade later, maybe, Peter gives in to a not-so-subtle form of racism. When he starts play-acting and being a hypocrite so that he can please some people that he really wants to please. You can read about that one in Galatians 2. The Apostle Paul has to give him the business about it. My point in saying all of this is that it is really safe to say that you and I are like Peter. All of these soils can be us. There are times in our lives when we're on pretty good ground and there are times in our lives where we're not, right? Where we get worried, for instance, about how following Jesus might make us look. Or we realize that following Jesus means that we can't do whatever we want to do with our bodies or with our money or with our time. Or that maybe there's this moment where we're suffering or where we're in pain or in agony. And even though we know these things are hurtful, they're out there and we run to them because we think it will help us forget or just give us relief for a minute. No matter who we are. No matter how we are tempted to shift around, church, the gracious invitation is the same. Listen and hear. Accept this word from Jesus. Accept this kingdom that is working beautifully in us and around us. Even if it runs counter to our expectations, even if we can't see our way clear to the end, even if we have doubts on our best days, listen and hear. And you know, here's the thing. These people that are with Jesus in that moment, they have no idea where things are headed for them. They have no idea where things are headed for Jesus, but we, we do. Jesus' cross and his resurrection and his ascension are the key that unlocks the mystery that is at the heart of all of the parables. It is the key that tells us what is that more that Jesus is about. What is he doing in love for us and the world? He is dying for us and raising for us and ascending for us in power. His death is the seed that springs into new life, not only for us, but for the whole world. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that um, you you would do uh, whatever you need to do and whatever it is that you will do in us as a people, in us as a family, um, to help us to really listen and to hear to not be content with any picture of Jesus and any picture of the kingdom that is abstraction or that is less than what it really is. Father, draw us in love to your Son so that we can hear him and listen. And we ask that you would do that for our good and for the good of this broken world around us. We pray it in his name. Amen.